I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby dooby dooby doo wop. Pastor and Laura wake up. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our daily Bible study. We're going through a chapter of the Bible a day. Today we're going through Luke chapter 3. Mm-hmm. We'll get started right away. Okay. John the Baptist prepares the way. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Triconotitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. I'm pretty sure I said most of those wrong. You got them. Okay. <laughs> you can look them up in Luke 3 if you want to yeah, see you there. Yeah, and uh, probably somewhere in history, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. <laughs> so let's just say what time it is. Yeah, they're the. So after Herod the Great died, he split up his empire into tetrarchs, into three different groups. So they have like three governors over the land of sure. Judea. Yeah. And Pontius Pilate is mentioned, who will be. Mm-hmm. Important in a couple years. We'll meet him again. All right, keeping on. Where was I? He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. And all mankind will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What shall we do then? the crowd asked. John answered, The man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, What should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, And what should we do? He replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly, and all were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat in his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Okay, that was the first section of Luke 3. All about John. Yeah. Who's... Very important. There's. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um. It sounds kind of like in verses seven through nine, 
that he's talking a lot about like good fruit and good deeds mm-hmm. and it doesn't really say anything about faith or like look to Jesus or anything about salvation and then when he's asked specifically what should we do share your stuff with people who have needs don't steal don't take money you know like he's just doing like naming law stuff yes he is he Jesus has not begun his ministry yet so he's still at the end of this says you know one will come after me because Jesus hasn't his ministry hasn't been there and I don't know John doesn't even fully realize that Jesus is the Savior at this point. And so what he's... What do you mean he doesn't realize it at this point? He doesn't know that Jesus is the Savior. When he does come to get baptized, doesn't he say... Yeah, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But here it is... But on this day... one One is coming, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie and what he's doing is he's calling out the Jewish authorities and the people and he's making it clear to them that they do need a savior that having Abraham as your father is not enough to save you and it's clear that you don't have the true faith because of your actions look at what you're doing I mean, that was something that was very common in the Old Testament, that people would pretend to be very pious and uh, holy people, and then at the same time, they would take advantage of the widow and the fatherless and have dishonest scales and do all of these different things that were very clear they were just feigning Christianity or feigning their religion. But when it suited them to be immoral, they would do that. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? I mean, John, his oh, whole thing is just saying, like, the kingdom of God is near. Right, but... He's not saying books, this is how you're saved. But that's what they asked. Well, I mean, I guess they didn't say, what should we do to be saved? They say, what should we do then? Yes, because they come, they have this baptism of repentance, which means they believe John's message that it's not just by ancestry that you're saved. So they repent. John lets them know that they have the forgiveness of sins because they've already believed in the Old Testament. They've repented. And now what should we do in our life? In there where he was saying anything about the forgiveness of sins. It's all just a pretty law-heavy section. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, well, there is we a line. Talk, and when we talk about Acts, and when we talk about, what was the book we read? The other one we read, Galatians or Ephesians? Oh, yeah, Galatians. There's this thing where people have a problem with being, like, obsessed with the law, or the law saving them, or if I do this and this, you know, and, and now reading, going back before Jesus' ministry you can see 
There is a lot of... I mean, there's law everywhere in mm-hmm. our churches, too. But, you know, just when I'm picturing uh, John the Baptist baptizing people, that he's like, you're baptized, you're saved, you know. Jesus is coming to save you and preaching this, like, forgiveness of sins. But I guess, really, it says he preached a... He preached what did it say? A baptism of repentance. Yeah, so he was saying, he was really laying down the law then. And, and it, it says, you know, sorrow for your sin and a determination to lead a holy life. Yeah, so I guess it, he maybe was a little more law-focused than I kind of realized. I don't know about that. He's he's going to be pointing people to the Savior, but there is a preparedness. There are times when you'll evangelize to someone and you'll talk to them, and you can't say your way of thinking is right. Mm-hmm. You say, this is what works for me, this is what I believe. But at some point you have to say that the God of the Bible mm-hmm. says something different than what you say you believe. And that's what he's doing. He's calling them out and saying, this is what is actually happening. And yeah. now it's not, it's not just law that he's preaching. What he's preaching is that the law is not open to pick and choose mm-hmm. which laws you want to follow. Okay, you're a tax collector, all these things, but what's the huge temptation that a tax collector might have? It'd be that you can steal money from people and no one's going to stop you. Or all of your soldiers are going to try and... uh, Why am I blanking on the word? Extort people for money? So just, hey, if you want... If you really want to live this life, if you really believe... Yeah. You, you have to pick out these big sins that are going to be huge temptations for you. Right. So I view it more as encouragement than as right. anything else. Well, that's the other thing. The things he's telling them to do aren't like new rules. They're like the basic Ten Commandments. Don't steal. You know, don't, don't lie. Don't take things that aren't yours. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a surprise. It's not asking them to do something difficult or something mm-hmm. they shouldn't have already known. So, yeah, I'm just interesting mm-hmm. thinking about that. Yeah, we're going to run into that. I mean, whenever we read the book of James, too, mm-hmm. it's just. Ooh. All right, so, well, let's go on. The second half of this has a lot of names in it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like reading that? I can do it. Okay. It really puts the pressure on me. Well, I don't want to stumble through it. Well, I probably will too. I don't have my glasses. I'll have that as an excuse right now. <laughs> Where are your glasses? They're upstairs. Okay. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. 
he was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Now, before I get into the list of names, anything there? Um, Yeah. The... As he was praying, heaven opened up and the Holy Spirit descended. And a voice said this. Yeah. Uh, We read in Mark... This is one that you and I did not record for a podcast, but the original one we started with this year in January. In Mark, it says something weird, like, when he was baptized, Jesus saw um, a dove, yeah, or, you know, and it's made it sound like this was only apparent to Jesus and maybe John, and could anyone else see it? And we, you and I talked about that for a long time, and... um, here it doesn't really say either way it just says heaven opened up and there's no crowd reaction or john doesn't say um what what is he famous for saying in the other books why do you come to be baptized or you should be baptizing me mm-hmm. um, so that's and not recorded here in luke no and jesus yeah. saying this must be done for all things to be fulfilled or this is yeah. proper so there's you know this is a case of there different accounts not having all of the same specifics but this is the important part and uh but yeah the the baptism accounts both of them include all three persons of the triune god out of there yeah it's just and then the specifics of the experience of people seeing heaven open right which is but it's not like when the angels appeared at Jesus' birth and, you know, it's like, and all the people were shocked or afraid or astonished. Like, it doesn't really mention other people being there. Like, maybe I picture because of books and illustrations. But, you know, he often preaches to crowds, but is it possible that the day Jesus came to him, it was just him and John? No one else was there that day? It says when other people came to be baptized, he came too, but that doesn't necessarily mean he came in a large group. It could just mean during this time period. Or they could have been in a large group. John could have been preaching. And then Jesus would be John's relative, yeah, pretty close. So it could be after the crowds left that they, I mean, it doesn't sure. say that, went to the side or... Right. Well, we just or, don't know if there's like this huge group seeing this and it's like this... They could oh, have been wow. in the river and no one yeah. else was hearing in their conversation or... Right. But well, anyway, it's Well, obviously it's not important them. because it's not like... Well, I mean, it is, I guess, not important if other people saw it. Mm-hmm. I think it's... But this time. It's important... In the sense that I enjoy filling in more of the picture around. I think that everybody does. (laughs) Yeah, but just to not read it as point, 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 but really these are scenes that happened really in Jesus' life. And to think about how this would have happened and what people would have thought of uh, really makes it, I don't know, closer. So, anyway... Ready to... Well, then the last line. And he was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. Is that to mean like... Yeah, Jesus Jesus wasn't going around saying, Joseph's not my dad. My dad is God. God. (laughs) 
Yeah. So he always told people he's the son of Joseph, even though Joseph didn't really have any part in his conception. And it may be that no one really asked him. Well, everyone would just assume, <laughs> like, because yeah. he didn't, he wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. doing miracles, so just well, a normal person. Or it could be and... that no one, that the people that were close to Mary, already from Nazareth, already thought that Jesus was an illegitimate child. Mm, yeah. Maybe. Because I don't know if anyone found out that she was pregnant before, but she goes to see Elizabeth and yeah. goes down to... Well, then you're, then you're saying that it wasn't thought that it was Joseph. But that it says it was thought. Mm. People did think it was Joseph. You're right. All right, so then so is this the have... genealogy of Joseph or the genealogy of Mary? This is the genealogy of Joseph. Who's so, not really Jesus' dad, so why does it matter? Because he belonged to the house and line of David. And the house and line of David is recorded by the father. However, Mary, Mary also. is also from the house and line of David. So... He does have the ancestry going back according to his actual biology, and he is in the house of mine according to Joseph as well, okay. what people view him as. So they would be able to identify him. So it's not like this technical, well, my mom's, you know, on the line of David. It's they're saying. Okay, so Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi the son of Melchi, the son of Jani, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Matthias, the son of Simeon, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Jonan, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melki, the son of Adai, the son of Kosam, the son of Almadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Jorim, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melia, the son of Mena, the son of Matatha, the son of Nathan. Seems to be a family name, Matatha. The son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashon, the son of Aminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sarug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arpaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahaliel, the son of Kenan, 
the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Hmm. So, tracing the ancestry all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Now, sometimes in Jewish ancestry, they only mention significant names in the family line. Hmm. So it's not as if this might be a completely comprehensive list. Uh, for it's pretty comprehensive. <laughs> it, it is pretty. You're saying there may be there may some be, generations missing? Yes. Uh. Uh, so, but either way, Luke being very, very thorough, tracing this all the way back. In Matthew's genealogy, I believe he only goes back to Abraham because that's really what he, he's trying to establish that. Well, elsewhere in the Bible, is it Abraham's genealogy or no? No, you. we get to Noah in Genesis. Mm. And then when we get to uh, going back in Luke and Matthew... Luke goes all the way back, but Matthew just goes to Abraham. The, there's a gap between basically Abraham and Noah of how long it is. and I mean, here you do have, it seems, or this shows one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, I'm missing something. Anyway. Um, yeah, Noah. What are you looking for? Well, well, here, here's an example. Um, why am I, I'm going the wrong direction. Judah, Simeon, Levi, I'm looking for Abraham. Why am I missing him? Okay, huh. Isaac, okay. There, Abraham. Yeah. This is why I need my glasses. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So between Abraham and Noah, you have one, two, three, four, five, five generations of people. So, I mean, in that case, it could be only, you know, 200 years. Between those two times, but in 200 years it could happen, but at the time of Abraham, you already have uh, Egypt being established as a okay, powerful so country and five saying, of the kings. You're saying that actually more time passed between Noah and Abraham, mm -hmm. and there's only five generations mentioned. And what I'm saying is that the translation of the Hebrew allows for that with father. So just because it says father that or we're son of. or son of, it can be more flexible. So it's not if someone says there's no way that the pyramids could have been built in this time or whatever it is, the dynasty of Egypt was here. And if there was a flood, it was farther back. The word father in their genealogy would just be major people in their history. And there could be more time. So okay. I'm, I'm 
just saying that so people aren't perplexed or confused. Okay. Or you um, aren't. I never really thought about it because, you know, well, some people do take the time and do the math of like, well, in the Old Testament, they do say this person lived this many years, they had a son at this age, and Mm -hmm. so you can kind of map it out, but they lived a lot longer. That didn't mean they weren't having kids at kind of like a normal age. Well, in Genesis, though, it says that. And this person had a son at this age. Right, that's what I just said. No, I know, but that's... I know. You repeated what I said. Okay. So if they had a child when they're 50 or 60, but then mm-hmm. they live 900 years. I mean, 60 is pretty old by our standards now, but, you know, like it's not like there's 900 years between generations. There's 60 years between generations. Correct. Just because they live a lot longer doesn't mean... I mean, they're living to see their, like, great-great-great-grandchildren. Mm-hmm. But they, um, you know, I don't know. It's hard, to, it's hard to explain without, like, for me, drawing out, like, a chart or a timeline. But the point of this section is that Jesus is not born of Joseph, but Joseph is from the promised line of the Savior, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden where the very first promise was. Mm-hmm. And in other places, we'll find Mary's genealogy, too. Puts them both in Bethlehem to fulfill all the promises Mm -hmm. and everything like that. So Yeah, and it's Jesus being real in history and that the creation is real as well. I mean, this is Luke saying that Adam is a real person that's back there. And just claiming that the Bible all the way back is true, not just the book of Luke, which might not be a problem for most people, but there are others that try and, again, kind of like the law of pick and choose what parts of the Bible they want to believe. And this right. is Luke saying this this all really happened. Okay. All right. That was a pretty easy section. Yeah. We'll talk about the temptation of Jesus next time. Have a good day. Scooby-Doo. Pastor Randall, wake up.